fucking part-timer coming in, taking spots from people who fucking needed. Coming in, wrestling part-time, where he should be there full-time. Like, like the Ely brothers, you know. <laughs> full-time. Tyler Bay airplane spin vaulter. I think he can. He can, man. He can. I think he can. Uh, can he give him the Tyler driver, though? Can he give him the Tyler driver? Is his butt looking amazing? Yes. It's fucking goddamn yeah, this it's man. On point, really on point. This man, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna blow him one of these days. Tyler, do you wanna come on the podcast? I, like, we'll, we'll also hit on you. We're, yeah, we're gonna try to fuck you as well. <laughs> this is a devil's Don't tell Liv. Don't you don't this. But what saves and losses? Tyler's bedroom. Liv knows what's up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Liv. Liv's cool. <laughs> God, I hope what so. What if we got Tyler Bain in here? And I'm like, Tyler, so we fuck him? And he was like, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, we're in an awesome relationship. And then you're like, what about Liv? And he's like, oh, Liv's cool. <laughs> yeah, Liv's cool about it. <laughs> part-timers coming in. Taking our spots. <laughs> taking our matches. Taking our moments. Taking our women. Taking our jobs. Fucking, <laughs> fucking our races. <laughs> mixing with our races. Coming in with their, their mixed race kids going to school with my kids. Also, are you by? No. No. No, lives on the level. <laughs> wait, wait, Tyler, are you are you actually by? No. No. I'm just whatever. I'm fucked, mate. <laughs> I'm fucked, mate. I'm fucked a lot. <laughs> Tyler, are you <laughs> 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 just going, I'm fucked, mate. <laughs> like, like a David Bowie style, like, third gender, like, yeah. fucking every... Like, yeah, man, you can get, like... Okay. Yeah, if he finds you attractive, man. It's, it's fucking part time. Wait, wait, wait. They come in here, they don't pay taxes. Are you, wait, they that's come not, in that's here, not, that's not, and they're like, oh, don't shoot me, it's America. I got the right to shoot a part time and colored. I'm there wait, on my property. Hey. Wait, what? They part time and colored ass on my property. Wait a second. I, I got a right to shoot them. Wait a second. With my, I think, wait, my are rifle. we still talking about the same thing? Boned up. You gotta tell me John Gresham doesn't have charisma, but you're gonna be like fucking Hiroki Goto is a fucking star. Fuck you. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Straight up. He's wrestling twice on that night. It's a tag First match. match, he's wrestling on bag of shit. <laughs> Second match is really a change. What they're gonna do actually, Finn Balor's gonna start wrestling Bray, Bray's gonna under the ring, and a bag of shit will appear, and the gimmick will be to see if the fans can come up with it. So mean! That's so mean! The beliefs of Brunel Dermosa did not reflect the beliefs of the Talking Smart podcast. Cause there's no such thing as that. Yeah. The podcast doesn't have beliefs. Yeah. You fucking idiot. Yeah. I turned you. I turned you on you. Yeah. That's how. It, that's what you get when you hang out with me for three. That's my favorite thing when the companies will say shit like that. Like the express reviews that don't reflect the values of the Disney corporation. Like, there's no such thing as the values. You have of a no fucking va- corporation. Your values is literally make as much money as you can. Every corporation has the same value. If it was legal to beat children to death and make a profit, you'd do it. There's no values. The Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Talking Smart Podcast! What a summer of wrestling we've had. 
And it's not over yet. It's only getting better. But I'll tell you guys this for free. I have had a hell of a week and a half. Uh, my sister's uh, room was fucking lit on fire. Uh, I put that shit out. But her basically her entire room has been ransacked and tur- overturned by the firemen. And we're, it's troubles in, in the Leong town, I'll tell you that much. There's a lot of going on. Um, I've been training with uh, my co-host, Benel. We're working on some stuff. We got plans for future shows uh, to combine uh, stand-up comedy with uh, some pro wrestling elements. But that's not why you're here. You're not here for this. You're here to learn about the G1 and fucking TakeOver and SummerSlam. Maybe not as as much for SummerSlam, because that was not really as important. But let's let's dive in one way or the other. Uh, Let's start with WWE, because I want to build a TakeOver. I mean, sorry, not... Build a G1. Because the G1 stuff is, uh... I'll have a lot to say. You know, maybe I'm fucking up. Maybe I should start with that then. So that's what I care about the most. But I, w- I do want to go in, um... Uh... <laughs> I do want to go in sequential order. So, uh, let's start with G1 Night 17. How about that? Let's do that. Um... And let's go for the main event. So, G1... Uh, night 17, from the Budokan. Uh, the G1 is as old as I am. That's how I always remember it. G129. Uh, so, uh, Kota Ibushi defeated Kazuchika Okada in a match that I gave five stars. That's right. Full five for that one, baby. Full Monty. Five snowflakes. I, uh, fucking love this match. Goddamn. Goddamn, pal. I love this match. Um, it's, it's, I honestly, since, okay, they're, they're gonna have a match at the Dome. Here, okay, here's the thing about fucking, here's, here's what, here's the thing about Gato. And I know all the Naito fans are really mad at Gato. And what can you do? Uh, that's, <laughs> if you love Naito, you should be mad at Gato. But here's the thing. Uh, what a fucking genius this guy is. Like, I, I honestly, every year... Or so it's felt like the last few years. the The winner of the G one was in a separate block from the champion, because the person because they want to protect the match, so the person who won the G one would never face the champion in the G one. So that way, you know, because if you face them in August, then there's less space between that this match and the 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 dome in January at Wrestle Kingdom. And so that's been the way he's been booking it for the last several years. And so this year, he set it up so that you think, hey, uh, Kota Bushi's probably not winning G1 because he's got Okada in the block. So he's probably not going to win. And, I mean, look, we'll get to that when I get to the finals, but goddamn, he fucking work all of us. He worked all of us. Every, all the New Japan... Everyone had Naito... Holy shit. Um, but as far as match goes, I, I fucking... This is, so, Ibushi and Okada have had three matches before this, as far as I'm aware. Uh, they had one at the 42nd anniversary uh, show, which was, I want to say, 2013. Uh, and that match was excellent. 
Uh, they had him, which Okada won. They had a match in DDT, which Okada won. Uh, for like, I think the the big DDT show, I think. Um, uh, I forget. Uh, Peter Pan. I, I yeah, that must have been a Peter Pan. Um, so, and they uh, had well, I mean, uh, um, Abushi's uh, mentor, uh, Tiger Mask W, <laughs> wrestled Okada a couple years ago, during Okada's big big like. I think that was also the anniversary show, I want to say. Uh, and that was during Okada's big super run that where he was, like, the greatest title run in history in 2017. And uh, Okada won that. So Okada has defeated Abushi twice, and even Abushi's master, Tiger Mask W. So what I want to say is, uh, God, these guys have fucking excellent chemistry. This is not, I mean, this should be no surprise uh, two of the greatest workers, probably, of all time. Definitely of this generation. Um, I don't think, uh, you know, people, people talk about Okada as being an all-time worker. And it doesn't get a lot of pushback, really, besides the, f the few people who don't really like him. But I think we really have to start talking about Ibushi in the same vein. Um, this, I'm, I'm, uh, this dude, ha first of all, he worked this entire G1 on an injured ankle. He didn't do the Golden Triangle once. Because he hurt his ankle in the, his first match in Dallas. As he didn't do a single fucking Golden Triangle. And yet he still was one of the top three or four performers of the tournament. Definitely top five. Uh, and he pulled out this fucking masterclass with Okada. And what I loved about this match is that you knew it was going to be a battle of wrist control. And I knew this ever since Abushi started using the Kamigoe as his finish since the first time he defeated Tanahashi with it. I was like, this is a wrist clutch move, and he does the straight jacket to set it up the same way Okada sometimes uses the German to set up the Rainmaker. Uh, Okada's got a lot of setups for the Rainmaker, but Abushi is now developing new setups for it, which is so fucking exciting. That's what I love about pro wrestling. It's like, Abushi's only had this finish for like uh, a year, right? Yeah, he debuted it last year against. Was it? Well, maybe I'm. No, no, no. Two years ago, right? Two years ago against Tanahashi. Because last year he met Tanahashi in the finals, right? So it's been a couple years. But Okada's been, you know, rainmaking people for seven seven years or something. Anyway, Abushi, you know, being the heavyweight and going with a strike finish instead of the, the big old Phoenix Splash. Although, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Phoenix Splash at the Dome. Because here's the thing, here's what I love about this match, Abushi-Okada. Which, again, I have five shows to review. I'm one match in and I can't stop talking about it. But it was so fucking good. Um, they left stuff on the table. This match was under a half hour. I don't have the time for it here, because uh, I'm using the, the uh, VOW reviews. But, um, goddamn, was this great. Uh, and you knew they could do more. You know what, Babushi, you know, if he heals his ankle, he can do his flying stuff. And, uh, I mean, Okada, they did just enough where you totally bought that Abushi won. Because it didn't take... He needed two Kamigoyes to finish off Okada. Okada was the first man... Ever kick out of a Kamigoye, which was a really that's a good spot to pick that. He's the he's the most dominant IWGP champion in history. He's your top guy, the top guy, the ace of the promotion. No matter what Tanahashi says, uh, yeah, he should be the first one to kick out to kick out of it. But then the second one just fucking puts him away, and yes, fucking Abushi uh, wins the cinches the block. Uh, in a match I gave five star. I really loved it. Um, 
the battle for wrist clutch control the battle for wrist control in New Japan continues and I can't wait to see what more stuff they could do given even more time in a Tokyo domain event that that is such a Tokyo domain event match I know people are upset about Naito and I'll get to that but I I you can't the Tokyo Dome card if Ibushi and Okada at the top you can't say that it is not worthy of the Tokyo Dome then we had a semi-final that was, uh, well, not semi-final, both these men were eliminated, but this, the semi-main, which is just as good, almost, Will Ospreay defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi. Will Ospreay, so here's the thing, in the middle of this tournament, people were saying, like, oh, Will Ospreay, he's doing poorly, he's only got four points. Yeah, it's a long tournament, folks, you gotta wait till it's over, when the dust clears, and Mort on uh, Twitter, uh, at, uh, Brother Mort, I, you know what? I don't have his handle up. It's I think his Twitter is like at Brother Mort or something. If you you listen to this, you know, you know who Mort on who Mort is in pro wrestling world. If you're not, you should follow him. He knows what he knows this stuff. He picked the Bushi to win G1 this year. He picked Tanahashi last year. Uh, and so what he did was he put together the the uh, basically where everyone finished in the uh, where everyone placed in their blocks um, because obviously. We know who the block winners are, but he put all the people who are tied with a certain amount of points in a head-to-head. And so with this win for Will Ospreay, he moved to eight points uh, in a, like, a, like a multi-man tie with like Tanahashi and probably Evil and a lot of people. And when the dust settled, not only did Will Ospreay end this tournament with a gigantic win over Hiroshi Tanahashi, he actually places third because he is actually at the top of that eight-way tie Overall, because of the the wins he has in head-to-head competition, Mort did the math. I I assume he did it right. I didn't double check for him, but um, hit him up if you want to check that that those. So basically, what I'm saying is, Will Osprey didn't finish towards the bottom. The junior champion in this G1 ended up third in the block, behind Abushi and Okada, who were I by far at the top. They both had 14, and everyone else had like eight. So Will Osprey's you know he had the eight. But not only did he beat Tanahashi, he... I think the winner of the Tanahashi probably put him the number three in the uh, overall block. And so that's where the junior champion ended up. He's still technically a junior Will Ospreay. Yes, we've seen him defeat heavyweights. And on the finals night, he just pins Yujiro like it's nothing. And it's fucking great that the juniors have come this far. And it's taken a star like Will Ospreay. I do believe that, that other... Like a Shingo or Hiromu could have been pushed in the same way to be like a junior who just beats heavyweights and we don't really flinch at it. Even like in Ibushi, if Ibushi never moved to heavyweight, you know? But Ibushi was always going to become a heavyweight. Same, Just like Kenny Omega. They, those guys were main eventers. And I do believe Velocity will eventually have to become a heavyweight because this dude, you know, uh, I'm going to talk a lot about Jay White later because he is... Uh, there's a lot to say about Jay White, I guess. Uh, so, But if, if he's not going to be the top guy in the company... Well, Osprey, he's over. The crowd loves him. They react to all of his flips. And they react to his non-flips. Like when he fucking hidden bladed the hell out of the back of Tanahaji's head. I almost leapt through my ceiling because I, I was not spoiled. I try to remain unspoiled for all the finals, for all the matches that mattered. And even though Osprey and Tanahashi were both eliminated, I didn't want to know who won this. Because I, I was somebody who had uh, Osprey beating Okada. I went that far. I was like, oh, fuck it. Osprey and Shingo, they had that hot final. This dude's a megastar. He's like the biggest star in wrestling right behind John Moxley right now. And Shingo's not far behind him. Just push, just go the way with these guys. 
and I think they've I think they've done an excellent job in pushing Osprey and Shingo in this tournament. Uh, we'll get to Shingo when we get to his block. But Tanahashi, look, here's the thing. This is a perfect time for Osprey to beat him because Tanahashi is on a bit of a skid. This was the first tournament since I've been watching New Japan, uh, so like at least since 2012, that Tanahashi was not did not come into the final night of G1 play uh, still alive, you know? Uh, I don't know if it's the end of an era. I don't know. But what I do know is Will Ospreay is the fucking man. He hit and bladed the fuck out of Tanahashi, dropped him with a Stormbreaker, and when he pinned him... Now, this is... I, re, I was leaping out of my seat. I was so ecstatic to see this. Um... I'm excited for the junior division as a whole. I'm excited for what will for the future for Will Ospreay. Kids 25 years old only still. Yeah, Will Ospreay's 25. He's been younger than this this whole time. We've been watching him all these years. We've been talking about Will Ospreay. He's younger. He was under 25 that whole time. He's 25 now. There's kids that have been copying him for two years. Will Ospreay has kids copying him. Anyway. Um, fuck, I, I love that. I went four and a half stars on that. I fucking love that match. Ospreay and Tanahashi. I, uh, yeah, this, I mean, this was a pretty excellent night. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Kenta, putting them both at eight points. Uh, yeah, Kenta's losing streak continues here. After he was doing so well in the beginning. Um, this was great. This was strikes versus submissions, right? Uh, Kenta trying to beat him up, Saber grab him, put him in a hold, you know, and, um, here's what I will say, I love Zack Saber Jr.'s psychology in that he doesn't, you know, like in Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> I know, I, I know my fan base, in like, in a lot, a lot of animes, the whole point, like, if you're like some amount of powerful, it scales like in every direction, what I mean is like, if, like, you're able to punch... If you can throw a punch that hurts a guy, uh, then he also... Like, if, you, if you're if you stronger than somebody in anime, like, their attacks don't hurt you, but your attacks will, like, obliterate them. Right? Like, you can one-shot them. But, okay, Zack Sabre Jr., he can hit people really hard. Uh, there have been wrestlers who said, who've worked him who says he hits... Zack Sabre strikes, like, harder than anybody. Uh, because... I mean, despite his, like, slight frame, he generates a lot of speed and power, um, because a lot of speed is power, so he gets, he gets a lot of velocity in his strikes, um, and he also, he throws them hard, uh, and so, Saber, I'm not saying Saber hits harder than Kenta, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying Saber is able to hit hard, but he can't take a shot, so, like, he can hit, he can strike, he can hit, hit Kenta, uh, maybe even as hard as Kenta hits, but he doesn't have the jaw. So when Kenta throws a hard shot, Saber just would sell and go down. And you've seen him do this with the Ishii matches. Uh, and I just love that aspect of, of his psychology. That just because he can throw heavy doesn't mean he can take one. Um, it's especially good when he's playing a heel. I think when Saber's playing a babyface, he does a little differently. Uh, which makes sense. You know, you gotta be the, the, the resilient, fiery babyface. Um, but here, he uh, submits Kenta. I don't know if Kenta actually, did he verbally submit or if the ref just called it? I'm not sure. Either way, it doesn't matter because uh, Kenta, spoiler alert, turned heel later, so it's fine. Um, 
But that was great. I probably would go four flat on that. Uh, two guys who... Uh, so let's talk about Kenta. Well, no, actually, no. Let's not talk about him yet. Uh, and actually, let's not talk about Saber either. Well, no. Let, okay. How about... The, Saber is getting... He has, he has Tanahashi at Royal Quest. We know this. Tanahashi and Saber for the British... Uh, the uh, British heavyweight title is at Royal Quest. And that... That's the semi-main. That's a hell of a semi-main right there. Bad Luck Folly defeated Sonata. I don't fucking care. Bad Luck Folly stinks. Sonata beat Okada and then loses to Folly. Okay, whatever. Um, okay, you know, I'm not, not everything that Gato does is good. <laughs> I honestly, here's, honestly, with Folly, not only would I have someone kick out of the Bad Luck Fall because, like, fuck him and his protected move, but I would have had Folly have, like, two points in this tournament. Like, fuck it. Just have everyone else be tied at 10 instead of 8. And just give... give Fale just give up his fucking points. Uh, it, he, he, him winning with these wrestling moves? What was the point of this? This booking? Like, there's literally no point. It's just to troll everybody? The, like, the idea that Bad Luck Fale is, like, a real wrestler now? He's being everyone's schoolboy? Like, it is kind of funny. But it also... It, I, don't, it ser- I don't think it serves a purpose. I think they're just doing it because... They have this idea that Fale should have some amount of points to keep everyone even, but why? Fuck him. Leave him at two. <laughs> have him have just beat, like, I don't know. Honestly, there's no one in this bracket that I want him to beat, but have him get, let him get one win, I guess. Against evil or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I... I, I and I'll have someone kick out of the Bad Luck Fall. Not like an Okada. Not someone who's already a main man. Like someone... Like a Sonata. Like have a Sonata kick out of the Bad Luck Fall. Be the first guy ever. And say, fuck you. Fuck your move. You're shit. And then tap him out with a Dragon Sleeper. If you, if you try to go with Sonata, you know? Or, or I don't know, have uh, Will Ospreay. Those are the two choices, I guess. If I was picking from this block... I'd have Sonata or Will Ospreay. Or Lance Archer, I take it back. Lance Archer actually is probably the best pick. I have Lance Archer kick out the Bellic Fall, give him the finger, and then fucking beat him. At least Archer did be falling the G1 in what was Bad Luck Folly's best match. But, <laughs> anyway, I don't want Folly to see him ever again. Uh, so, Lance Archer defeated Evil. Uh, this was really good. Really damn good opener. Uh, Lance Archer's been a fucking revelation. I compared him to, like, the Buddy Murphy of the G- this G1, I guess. The way Buddy Murphy on 205 Live was, like, a revelation when he showed up there. And now he's, uh... He had one match with Roman Reigns. And people were like, oh, who, this guy's really good. Yeah, we all knew that. He, that's, why he's the, that's why he's Big Match Buddy, the best-kept secret in pro wrestling. I guess he's not a secret anymore. Now people fucking know. He's great. Yes, he does the V-Trigger and the Kamigoye. But they look fucking good. <laughs> In fact, I they look as good as the the originals. You could argue they're better. Ah, uh, they're not better, but they're as good. <laughs> um, he uses the Kamigoya as like a big setup move, so it's not the same. But listen, the point is, Lance Archer's fucking great. He's intense. He's the monster gaijin we need. We don't need Folly anymore. We have Lance Archer. Get Folly the fuck out of here. Evil had a great tournament. Probably his best one yet. Um. He was a he, he was well he when he he, uh, he he was alive for a while he was alive in the tournament longer than Tanahashi. He was the last one to be eliminated. 
before Okada. When Okada beat him, he was out. But uh, so everyone was out on this night except Okada and Ibushi. But Evil held on. He had the big wins over Ibushi. Uh, he beat Will Ospreay, uh, and he beat his own partner Sonata. And he's he's, he's got some big wins. Um, but he did lose to uh, to to, to uh, Okada in what I thought was a, I I didn't get to review that show, but I thought that was an excellent match. With one of the best... Oh, look, we always talk about Okada's excellent closing stretches, and he had one with Ibushi on this show. Um, but the one he had with Evil was, like, also exceptionally good. One of his better ones he's ever had. Um, and probably the best closing sequence... Uh, closing stretch Evil's ever had, you know? Um, and he's wrestled Okada before, but I thought that one was the best. But yeah, Lance Archer had a fucking great tournament. Uh, Evil had a very good one as well. I wouldn't sleep on Evil's tournament at all. Um, Evil had the, the Osprey match was awesome, uh, the Kenta match was very good, and, uh, the Tanahashi, he had a Tanahashi main event that was great, too. Um, and, okay, so, uh, that was night 17, uh, there was some fun, some fun stuff on the undercard, like, uh, Moxley and, and Shooter, uh, against Juice and Ren Narita and stuff like that, but, um... And then there was, of course, we got Naito and uh, Jay White interacting. Let's just go over to night 18 here. Now let's start at the main event. Um, Jay White defeats the Naito. I gave the match four and a quarter stars. So did Paco Silva, who reviewed this for Voices of Wrestling. I, I watched this with Benel. Benel had known, he knew the result, and I didn't know the result. But I, I had a bad feeling, because Benel texted me and said, "Hey, stay off Twitter till you watch it," and I was like, "Well, that it means one of two things: either Jay White won, or Naito won, but then like an angle happened, and so turns out Jay White won, and he fucking okay. All right, look, Naito fans, I'm so sorry. I really <laughs> I don't I don't know what to say. I don't know." I'm sorry, man. Woman, everybody. Sorry, folks. I, 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 you know, I will, here's what I will say. Mort called this shit. Mort, I'm putting over Mort a bunch of times on this fucking show. But he basically was like, look, if Ibushi's winning G1, which Mort was like, and Ibushi is winning G1, which turned out to be true, it makes more sense for him to beat Jay White in the final than to have a, like, for you know everyone was going to root for Ibushi. Instead of the split with Naito, which made sense and actually did make sense, and when we get to the finals, but that doesn't make this hurt any less. <laughs> doesn't make it hurt any less that Naito, if you were rooting for Naito, there's you know there's nothing. I know there's a lot of Naito fans who also love Ibushi, right? So maybe if you if you're not super on Naito's bandwagon and you're willing to get on Ibushi's. Then you're not crushed completely. I think White winning the G1 would have been... That would have... Holy shit. That would have fucking... That would have ruined some people's weekends, right? That would have... Um, I almost kind of wanted it to happen just to how funny it would have been. But, um... No, but Jay White's not ready to win the G1. I'm a big Jay White fan, but no. Uh, so, people have been ragging on Jay White's G1, and I understand why. I don't necessarily agree, but I understand why. I will say this... I'm not sure if Jay White is a draw yet. I do believe he will be. 
I do believe he's got Starburn all over him, and if you don't see that, I'm not sure what you're looking at. Um, if your complaint is to why the way he's been pushed, as this sort of, like, old-school, you know, chicken-shit-ish heel who needs Gato to interfere and needs shenanigans, that's a valid complaint. Um, I certainly think that White is capable of carrying these matches on his own, even though he's only, what is he, 27 years old? He's not that young, but he's pretty fucking young when you consider his push, you know? Now, let's put this in perspective. Naito's 35 or 36 now, and, uh, yeah. Uh, Naito's accomplished a lot in his career. I mean, any pro wrestler would, you know, if, if you could have Naito's career, you've, uh, you've done a great job. But Jay White's been IWGP champion, and lost it, and he's main evented the, not the dome, but the garden, he main evented the garden, and he's 27 years old, he made it to the finals of the G1, he's done a lot, he's accomplished, he wrestled, listen to, his Tokyo Dome matches, he wrestled Hiroshi Tanahashi, and then Kazuchika Okada, those are the two people he's wrestled in the Tokyo Dome, this, he, that, he's now defeated Tetsuya Naito to get to the finals of G1. This motherfucker is being pushed, and he's beating everybody. He beat Kenny Omega, okay? He fucking... He was the first guy to to pin John Moxley, okay? The first guy to pin John Moxley since him leaving the WWE. He's getting pushed, and he's, I'm here for it. I am all in on Jay White's push. Now... I like this match. Uh, some people think Jay White, his counter wrestling in the down the stretch is uh, doesn't look good or whatever. I don't know, man. I he's, I think people are just spoiled because of Okada. They've just gotten used to how smooth Okada does everything. I will admit, Jay White is not yet Okada, and he may never be. And I don't think it's fair to hold him to that standard. Okada is the maybe the greatest wrestler in history. Certainly, there's uh, there's someone on VOW on the website. Uh, Voice of Wrestling, they they put basically a thread together, which was an argument that Okada is already, and not not even now, this is like a year ago. <laughs> like a year ago, they made this thread about how Okada is already this, the best singles wrestler of all time. That was the caveat. If you just take all of his singles matches. Not that Okada isn't a great tag wrestler, but he's never put in positions to really need to be, because New Japan doesn't care about tag wrestling, you know? And I think the reason we were talking just is also... Tag wrestling is a different thing. And, like, when you talk about guys like Masawa and Kobashi, you know, in Old Japan, they had those epic legendary tags as well. You know, New Japan really doesn't do that. They, You know, when the Golden Lovers was around, they did they did more of those last year because they had the Golden Lovers. So we got some, some epic tags. But, yeah, with no Golden Lovers, they really just decided, fuck it. <laughs> we don't fucking give a shit. Because most factions aren't designed that. I mean, yeah, we have the dream team of Akana and Tanahashi. But they never win. Like they never. <laughs> they, I mean, like we haven't. We have. We're not getting like because of the way the factions are divided. We're not getting Okada and Tanahashi against Naito and Jay White, right, or something like that, or like four top guys, Naito and Abushi against, you know, <laughs> or yeah, Abushi and Tanahashi against Naito and Okada. How weird would that be? Who wants to see that? Naito, Naito and Okada teaming against Ibushi and Tanahashi. That'd be fucking something, huh? 
We might see that. Like, we might, that might not be a thing. But at some point, who knows. Um, anyway, I'm getting off the topic. The point is... I'm sorry, Naito fans. But they should, they picked the Bushi. And they, if they're going with the Bushi, then honestly, Jay White should have won this. Because it, it was a better moment for a Bushi beating Jay White than it would have been beating Naito when, like, a lot of people would have been sad. So... Uh, so I, I, I honestly don't have a problem with this. I'm just sorry for Naito fans. I, but I am fine. I, <laughs> we're looking forward to Ibushi and Okada, all in on Jay White. Uh, we'll see. I actually, yeah, I should talk about this. Uh, since the, at the time of recording this, Ibushi has decided to steal Naito's storyline and say he wants to win the the title on one on uh, January fourth, and then on the second Dome show, the fifth. He wants to challenge the Intercontinental Champion, whoever that may be. So, what that does mean is if you are a Naito fan, and you want him to win the title at the Dome, could that still happen? Let's, let's think about this. Either Okada or Ibushi wins at 1-4, right? I don't know who. At this point, I don't... I, it's You know, everyone's emotions are in Ibushi, so you want Ibushi to win, but who knows? Um... But whoever wins on... I guess maybe it has to be Ibushi, because Okada didn't say, I'm going to, you know, fight the Intercontinental Champion on 1-5. But maybe he will, you know, so we don't know. Let's just say, for the fuck of it, whoever wins on 1-4, they, they go to 1-5, and Naito, who, uh, let's say he defended his title on 1-4 in the semi-main against Jay White, I guess. Let's just say him. Uh... He wins the title 1-5 in the main event of the second Dome show. And he is the double champion. Could this happen? I don't fucking know. I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm not an insider. I'm not cool. Um, but I could... I, I, why would Ibushi say that, right? Like, why? I don't know. It's in, like is it? People are talking about it's a mini-tournament, right? Is the, and we don't know who all the players are going to be, but we know... Abushi will be one of the players. We presume Okada. I don't think Okada's dropping the title. Um, uh, it's not going to be Sonata, I don't think. I'd be shocked if it was Sonata. Uh, or Minoru Suzuki, that's the other person getting a title shot before the Dome. So, it's Abushi, Okada, Naito, probably. You have to think it's Naito. And probably Jay White, right? Could be Tanahashi? Maybe... That's the only name it could possibly be, honestly. <laughs> but there's uh, there's speculation about like a, maybe a Tanahashi Liger match, because Liger if Liger's gonna retire, he's gotta have something big, right? And I I love I love the Liger Minoru Suzuki feud, but looks like Suzuki's moving on. So Liger Tanahashi, I don't know. But that yeah, maybe Naito. Here's what I'm saying is maybe Naito wins the title. Maybe he becomes a double champion at the One Five Dome. It could fucking happen, people. I'm not, like, I'm not insane. I would be insane if Ibushi didn't bring it up. But he brought it up. You know, whatever this little mini-tournament is, Naito will be involved. Right? There's fucking five pillars right now. Uh, it's, the, it's these four motherfuckers, and then uh, Tanahashi. And Tanahashi's on his way down. So, fuck. <laughs> these... You might you might not respect Jay White at that level yet, but he's he's clearly one of them. Um, so with this win, Jay White moved to 12 points. Naito's uh, stuck at 10, which is below his average. Um, 
And yeah, Jay. So, uh, so much to unpack for that. Anyway, let's move on. Shingo Takage defeated Hiroki Goto. Let's bring Shingo to eight, and this leaves Goto at ten. Uh, uh, Paco Silva won four and a half stars on this, and he is correct. This is a four and a half star match. Uh, this is fucking excellent. As you, when you see these names, you know that's, that's what you'd expect. It's a big boy hoss match. And look, everyone's put over Shingo at every turn, and they as well they should. He's he's fucking great. Um, I don't know. Apparently, there was a, some contingent of people who didn't like him in Dragon Gate. I I thought Shingo has been awesome ever since I've laid eyes on this man. Uh, he had this amazing match. When remember when Daniel Bryan got fired uh, from WWE in like the summer of 2010 after the Nexus angle, like he choked Dustin Roberts with a tie and Vince McMahon fired him. He was on the Indies for a quick sec. He had a match with Shingo during that time. I want to say in Dragon Gate USA. And it was fucking excellent. Probably about as excellent as this match. But the thing is, matches that good were more rare back then. <laughs> yes, even in 2010, four and a half star matches weren't just flying off the shelves like they have been in the last couple years. Especially in this fucking G1. Uh, and Hiroki Goto, goddamn. He is the best loser. It's him and Dolph Ziggler. The best losers in history. They've, they've basically accomplished everything there is except actually being the guy. Dolph Ziggler at least got to win the title in, like, a cool moment. But that's as far as it went. It, it He didn't even have a run. He got concussed and then they took it off him and they haven't looked back since. Uh, Hiroki Goto, because the title means something in New Japan, they'll just give it away for fucking money in the bank cash-ins. Um, Hiroki Goto never gets to win this title. In fact, he's, here's the thing, though. Here's an important role Hiroki Goto plays. He plays the role of someone who can't get that fucking title because that's how prestigious it is that someone as good as Hiroki Goto can't win it. That's how important the title is. Naito barely, he got it for a fucking... He had one defense against Ishii, lost that shit right back to Okada because you can't hold on to this thing unless you're the best of the best. Which, uh, Gato has decided is Okada and Tanahashi. And is he wrong? <laughs> Look at business the last decade. I mean, oh man. Shingo versus Goto. This is fucking brutal. This is an awesome, brutal, fucking never style hoss fight. Just meaty men throwing lariats into each other's chest. It was fucking great. And Shingo gets the win. Shingo was booked perfectly in this tournament. He defeated the key people he should have defeated. Hiroki Goto and Tomohiro Ishii. Now, if it were me, instead of having, you know, Toru Yano defeat Tetsuya Naito, because ha, hardy, hardy, har, har, isn't that funny that Yano won, I would have had Shingo beat Naito, because fuck it. <laughs> Let's add some friction into LIJ. Not with this fucking, uh, we're all friends. Are you? You're all friends? What do you have in common? Is Shingo even really an LIJ? He's been there for a year, and people, like, I don't think people that LIJ fans really think of Shingo as part of LIJ. It's like there was LIJ, and then Shingo's, like, their, their buddy. He also showed up and does the fist thing. When Naito does his big speeches at the end, I always... We, <laughs> he goes, Naito, Bushi, Evil, Sonata. And then he says to... Uh, Hir well, Hiromu. Of course, I miss Hiromu. Uh... And then he goes to Kage, and I'm always surprised. I never remember that Shingo... Oh, yeah, Shingo, right. He's... Yeah, he's there, too. Uh, Shingo's fucking awesome. Uh, he... 
has a win over Ishii, has a win over Goto, the two people who are, like, in his division, because Shingo is now a heavyweight, uh, ladies and germs, that is official, that is official, he is a heavyweight, which means fuck you, show, you're never getting, you ever get another shot at the dragon, you had your chance, you blew it, show, hit the fucking bricks, go to, you know, you know, take your abs and yo's abs and go make another fucking book where you thirst trap ladies, you're not getting the dragon, not no more, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll get another Shingo show match, I don't know, when will we get it, though? I don't know. I, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I I don't think Show's gonna move to heavyweight. It wouldn't really make sense. I see Show having a junior ace run. I mean, maybe when maybe Show wins the title and they book him as strong as they book Osprey, and he actually beats Shingo as a junior. You know what? Now that I've said it out loud, that's what the fuck they should do. <laughs> right? I wasn't even thinking about that. I'm going off the dome here, but that that's totally what they should fucking do. Anyway, uh, is Show going to be in a G1 as the junior champion? I don't know. I don't, it's so, here's the thing. Uh, can you really give Show the junior title anytime soon? I, I, I guess you don't have to break up Rapongi 3K, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, so, uh, let's see. Then we had oh, another great match. Jeez Robinson defeats Jon Moxley in a knockdown dragout fight. I love What I loved about this was Moxley had juice... Uh, what do you have him in a crossface? Uh, no, yeah, what was it? No, STF. Yeah, he put a vicious. He was working over Juice's leg, and he put him in a vicious-looking STF. And then Juice did not. His hand did not go down for three. He grabbed Red Shoes' pants, and then Moxley thought he won. He did the Jericho thing. We celebrated. Thought thinks he won. Thinks the guy passed out or tapped out. And fucking Red Shoes had to be like, nah, he, he's he, it's not over. Go and pin him. And but I love the little exchange. Where Red Shoes like, go, go pin him. And Mox is like, oh, I should pin him? I should pin him? And then gives Red Shoes the bird. And it was weird because I, Red Shoes is basically John Moxley's father-in-law. Is that... <laughs> is, that is that the relationship? I don't know. Are they, what are they... Is Shooter his, like... I guess that would, that would make Shooter mean you know, his, uh, his husband. But he's really more like his son, right? Maybe his nephew? So maybe, uh, maybe Moxley and Red Shoes are brothers? It feels like they're family, is what I'm saying. Anyway, um, God, Robert Juice has had a really good tournament. Moxley had a great one as well. John Moxley's the biggest star in pro wrestling. Although after the finals night, it felt like Kota Ibushi. So Moxley, Moxley still, uh, he, he every Moxley match to me is like must watch. He can't look away. Uh, and I, his work, I saw some uh, WWE marks on Twitter saying stuff like, uh, I don't see a difference between his. New, his J New Japan work and his WWE work, which that is mind blowing. I don't think that's one of the most insane takes I've ever heard. How can you not see the difference? Maybe you just never, you just don't like John Moxley. You just say that then. How can you say there's no difference? Oh, I don't think there's that big a difference. Really? You are you gonna watch? How, you don't actually watch New Japan then. Like you don't, you didn't watch J John Moxley versus Tomorashi or either Juice Robinson match. You, that, that's the same guy who beat up a doll in the middle of a ring and fucking squirted ketchup and mustard. You think that's the same guy? He, his whole moveset is different. Not that a moveset, that's, you know, moveset doesn't make a wrestler, but everything about his, he's entering from the crowd, for one. <laughs> he doesn't, that's, for one, that's pretty different. Every time he enters from the crowd. 
His whole aura is different, and I don't know if you can't feel that. I don't know what I don't know what you're watching. I, I it's, it's my <laughs> is is it? It's like saying I I don't know. I, Husky Harris and Bray Wyatt they were the same character. That's like what it feels like. That's what you're saying. Like you just don't you you can't discern the difference in a character. Uh, not to mention his in ring work, which has been completely different. Uh, anyway. It's had a different level of intensity. He's working, not like a guy who is burned out from doing the road and is going through the motions. Uh, he's working like a guy who loves what he's doing and is passionate about it. I, 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 it's... The fact that... I know that it's a, it's a minority and I shouldn't focus on these people, but the fact that anyone would say it. Even to troll. Like, why? What? Anyway, um, Juice Robinson, the way he won this match was great, too, because it felt like Moxley had him beat, and Moxley beat himself by becoming too violent, and Juice was just able to catch him in the clutch with that. He's, what well, Juice is, see, here's all about Juice. He has such a simple moveset, right? He doesn't do anything overly flashy or, you know, super dynamic, necessarily, but because of his charisma and his timing and, st and structure which has all just improved since he's been in New Japan um he 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 gets the the most out of his matches he gets the most out of every match just because he's a great babyface and um so like in uh, in uh, New Japan all the top guys uh have like like the setup for their finish like they have like versions of their finisher which sets up their their you know their super finisher. For example, Okada has the short arm lariats, which he will use to set up for the big rainmaker, right? Or he's been using the spinning rainmaker uh, since uh, like last year. Uh, Kodobushi has developed like these these standing knee strikes to set up the Kamagoye. Tetsuya Naito has the running Destino to set up Destino. John Moxley has the you know the the short arm DDT to set up the lifting one. Juice Robinson, his big setup move was left hand of God. So the straight left hand punch. It looked it looks fucking great, but it's so simple. So what did he develop in this tournament? To what was the new thing he developed when people had figured out the left hand punch? The right hand punch. That's what he that was his new move! That was his new move. He but using a left hand punch for a few years to set up pulp friction. And now, people have figured that out, so he throws the right-hand punch, and you know what? It's fucking awesome. It's great, because pro wrestling doesn't have to be that complicated. Sure, I love Will Ospreay, you know, doing all this, you know, backflipping to powerbomb a guy, and Spanish flies, and, you know, all types of shit, and Okada's all his crazy sequences to get into Rainmakers, and all this stuff. But I also love Juice Robinson, you know, you duck his left... And he just punches you with the right. Because this also looks good. He's left-handed, but his right-hand punch gets... He knows where to hit. He just gets him right on the fucking... Right on the jaw. It looks really good. So, he caught Moxley with a few of those. Dropped him with Pulp Friction and pinned that man. And eliminated him from the G1. And I can't wait for the rematch. Um, very excited about it. Whew, God, this whole night was so good. My God, Taichi defeats Tomorishi. This is the best Taichi match in fucking history. Four and a half stars with this bad boy. I agree with you, Paco Silva. You're right about that. By the way, for Juice and Moxley, Paco went four. I'd probably go four and a quarter. 
Um, I really like that match as well. Taishi came out of the gate for this match, though, with an Axe Bomber. Fucking Saito Suplex going for the pin. Threw a bunch of Saito Suplex. This is King's Road. I don't, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not an expert on King's Road and all that. It's strong style King's Road. Whatever. He came out throwing hard shots, and he went right at Ishii. It was the Ishii style, full steam ahead. And he just beat him. He beat him straight up. He ran at him and beat him. Um, he is, uh, I think I might vote Taiji for most improved. I think I really might. I don't think he's actually improved. I think he's just changed his style. Where, like, but he really just breaks out against Ishii. And a little bit of, uh, Naito as well. His, Naito gets the good matches out of him. But this Ishii match was, I, I think, definitely his best match to date. Um, just really intense. So, I mean, Ishii is the MVP of the tournament. I, I, I can't even gush about Ishii enough because I, I, I just keep doing it. I just keep... If Tomo Ishii isn't the best wrestler in the world right now, then tell me who's better. I mean, is Okada better? For sure better, though? Is Osprey for sure better? Is Abushi? Is Kento Miyahara? Momo Watanabe? Let's go to Joshi. You want to talk about ladies? Tessa Blanchard? Becky Lynn? No, no, no one, it's no one in WWE. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. Uh, even if they could be, they're not right now. Uh, even Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, whatever. You know, they're not, no. Naito? Is he better than Ishii, though? Who's better than Ishii? Definitively. Who can you tell me is definitively better than Ishii? Shingo? Definitively? Um... Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Ishii's the, he's the fucking best. I don't, he gets the most out of everything he does. Including Taichi. <laughs> well, the way I phrase that makes it sound like him and Taichi are having sex. <laughs> he does Taichi. And he gets the most out of him. Uh, he... No, he... Seriously... Uh, I, yeah, I, I honestly, uh... I can't praise Tomorishi enough. He's just so fucking good. And that's a guy... Not only will he never win the IWGP heavyweight title, but he definitely will never win that. Like, Gota's a guy who, like, you know, feels like he should've won it, but hasn't. Ishii's just never gonna win it. I don't think Ishii's ever gonna even win the Intercontinental title. I, I don't think... Like, I don't think he even will. I don't think he'll even get to that point. So... But he'll just be there. Putting on the best matches in history. Jeff Cobb defeats Toriyano. So this is why this night was so good. It's because they had Cobb and Yano, who have been the weakest performers in the tournament, against each other. And there's nothing to say about that. It, it happened. Um, yeah, so uh, night 18 was fucking excellent. Maybe this is the best G1 ever. Who knows? Alright, let's move on to the finals. Again, we're doing this. Let's start the main event. Kota Bushi defeats Jay White. 31 minutes. I fucking love this match. <laughs> what do you think I was going to say? What, what do you think I was going to... I'm... Uh, there's no... Look, <laughs> I'll get to burying stuff when I get to WWE, okay? This is all gushing. Alright? I'm sorry for Naito fans. I really am. I, I, I feel your pain. Okay? I... It's, it, it's gotta suck. But... Um, not only was I, this was the most dramatic, here's what I, <sighs> this was the most dramatic New Japan match 
that I can remember. Where you could actually feel people really, really rooting for one person over the other. Kota Ibushi, if he is not the best babyface in New Japan, he's 1B behind Tanahashi. Uh, there's also Juice. Juice is great, too. Um, but you can't say that Naito's a better babyface than him. And you can't say that about Okada, either. Uh, Jay White is the best heel in New Japan. And that's why he's in the position he's in. Naito is basically a tweener. Um, you know, it's so weird. I remember people shitting on Omega's character, Kenny Omega's character, last couple, like, because he was basically a weird tweener. It's basically what Naito is. Everyone cheers him, and he beats up, he beats up refs. Kicks people in the balls. He's not really a babyface or a heel. Um, I mean, he's, a, he's like a de facto babyface, I guess, because people cheer him. Uh... But Kota is a fucking blue-eye, white-meat babyface to the bitter end. He fights with honor, dignity, respect, respect for the sport. He's just, he's just, he's a sportsman. And Jay White is the opposite. He's a slimy piece of shit. And, but he's got, the thing is, he's smart, and he's got all the tools. But he doesn't want to use his, he doesn't, he doesn't, this is the thing about Jay White, and this is a story... They come out with all the Bullet Club, and we'll get to the Kenta angle when we get to that. But first, Red Shoes throws, Red Shoes throws out all the Bullet Club. Because first, it seems like Obushi's fucked. All the Bullet Club's here, right? He's fucked. So uh, Red Shoes is like, yeah, fuck you. I'll throw out all your guys. Gato convinces him to let him stay. But then Gato gets caught, and Red, Shoe thro Red Shoes throws Gato out. Now, here's the thing about all of Jay White's G1 matches. Yes, Gato's interfered and has been shenanigans in all of them. But all of the matches he's won... It's come down to him beating the guy in the end with his wrestling skill. With all of his counter-wrestling that people sometimes rag on. Which I think... Uh, I didn't say this before, but here's the thing about Jay White's counter-wrestling. I think it just feels like a struggle. Like people, Some people say it looks contrived or whatever the fuck. I feel like it feels like a struggle for control. Uh, and that's why it doesn't always look super... Well, it doesn't always look super smooth. But I think that's fine. Like I feel like that's trying to put someone in the Blade Runner against their will or whatever, trying to grab them for that sleeper suplex or whatever. I don't need everything to look super pretty. Um, in fact, I think it adds an edge that his, um, his counter-wrestling doesn't always, isn't always like, oh, here to here, then here to here. Like, it's, it feels like there's struggle going on. It's the same way I feel about, like, there's, like, uh, a lot of the women's matches in WWE when sometimes they're, not all their spots come off super clean. Uh, like, like Charlotte. Like, Charlotte last year, I thought, was working with a real good intensity. And I thought all of her matches were really great because they felt like she was struggling. Uh, like, with people. And not just, like, letting, you know, doing moves and letting them do moves or whatever. But anyway, whatever. Uh, Jay White. Uh, I thought he was, thought this performance was masterful. Especially for a dude who's... Uh, a year and a half into his G into not G, into his New Japan run, right? He's a he's a young boy, went to excursion for like a year, came back, wrestled Tanahashi. Uh, you know, one you know, <laughs> fucked up uh, chaos, beat Okada, won the title, lost the title in Madison Square Garden. Now he's here in the G1 final, and. I thought he carried himself like a main eventer. 
Um, I thought his I thought his work was great. I thought his heel work was masterful, and it was dramatic as fuck. <laughs> this is super dramatic. There's only a few matches that I can think of in the last few years where I remember watching and feeling like I like I like not only like the people the crowd really gave a fuck who won, and that was in the the Jordan Devlin versus Walter series. Uh, those two matches. And that's it. That's all I got. I can't think of another one. I mean, when Omega finally beat Okada, I guess people freaked out. Like, they were crying or whatever, and it was a whole thing. But, like, while it was going on, I I don't know, do people necessarily want Okada to lose? Necessarily? You know? Uh, People really wanted Naito to win at the Dome. Uh, but was everyone rooting for, like, was, he was super over. Um, but that match didn't feel as dramatic as this. Uh, cause people don't hate Okada. People hate Jay White. And people love Ibushi. That's the thing. Even people, <laughs> I mean, when Jay White beat Naito, there was, uh, you know, because people love Naito and people hate Jay White, that was, uh, th- that sucked the air out of the room. And, I mean, honestly, the fact, it was... This was masterful because you uh, we just seen that happen. We'd seen Jay White overcome one of New Japan's best with his fucking slimy bullshit and getting away with it. He did it to Naito. He could do it to Ibushi. Why not? But he, he beat Okada at the Dome this year. He has the tools. We know he can do it. He beat Tanahaji for the title. He can beat anybody. He beat Omega. Omega never got that win back. He's never going to. But Abushi said, "Fuck you," <laughs> and he need him in the face a whole bunch of times. This clo- I rewatched this match right after it happened, and I never. First of all, I didn't have the time to do that. Uh, I was supposed to be editing shit, or and recording stuff, and putting out a fire in my house. But <laughs> I was like, I got to rewatch this because this closing stretch was fucking phenomenal work. Jay White working over the the knee, uh, the same leg that Abushi had uh, injured his ankle, right? And such such simple stuff like a boot like <laughs> Abushi lifting his leg to throw the lariat and Jay White grabs the leg and gives it a dragon screw. That's such a brilliant spot. And then later he lifts the leg to give it a dragon screw and Abushi just uses that momentum to give him the lariat. It's so it's it mirrors itself. It was it's brilliant shit. It's not like Mr. Man now. That's good shit. But it really was though. It, this is not. <laughs> This is not Cedric Alexander being a janitor and then unmasking after he gets pinned. This is a fucking... I gave this match five stars. It's one of the best... I gave Ibushi and Okada five stars. But I wouldn't say it's, like, one of the best matches I've ever seen. Like, I I don't think... I think there's a lot of five-star matches I'd put above it. You know? Like, when I think of all the matches I get... I think there's, there's like, four and three-quarter star matches that I enjoyed more than Okada Ibushi. Uh, for other reasons, because like someone won the title, or you know, I gave Bailey and Sasha four and a half. The the, the Brooklyn Takeover match, where but Bailey won the title, so that's always gonna be one of my favorite matches. Uh, anyway, uh, Jay White played his role masterfully here, and Kota Bushi is like such a fucking excellent babyface. He's so excellent at it. He's just everything about you. Just you feel the passion from this man, the drive. The honor, he just exudes uh, everything that you can get, you can believe in, in a in a heroic character. He's, you know, he he has the skills. Uh, 
he 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 has the fire and the the will uh and he's just he you you just can't help but root for the dude and he was sympathetic here because despite his proficiencies he's not he's not been you know he's not uh, the superman that Okada is he's not unbeatable in fact he was injured and he that's a, that was a shoot he was legit injured and Jay White went after it. and that's not the first time in pro wrestling that's happened but with this type of story with all with all the marbles on the line with the G1 29 the greatest G1 in history arguably uh, the the crown on the line the main event of the dome on the line Abushi pulled it off and I thought this was like a master this is a masterful wrestling match uh from psychology for the structure the performance the emotion the investments uh Naito and Abushi could have went out there and had like a better move for move match I guess but it would have been a split crowd, you know? They could have had, like, what the, the final that Knights on Omega had, which was uh, a better match than this match was in terms of moves. That match was fucking crazy. That match was nuts. Omega DDT'd Naito into the fucking ring post. They did, like, reverse runners from the top and all types of crazy shit. Uh, but this... This match... This, I'm never gonna forget this match. This is so memorable to me. Uh, everything about it just... I love this match. Uh, I feel like this is what pro wrestling really... This is a match in Capitalist Pro Wrestling as much as any great match in history, I feel like. Oh. Have I said my piece on that? I don't know. This I don't... Is this a top 20 all-time match for me? I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Top 15, top 10... I don't know. I have to think where this racks, where this, where this ranks in my match of the year, like for this year. It's in the, it's in there. It's in the top three, I would say. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, then we had a really good tag match uh, in the semi-main here. Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. defeat Tanahashi and Okada, the Dream Team. The Dream Team never wins, uh, because they always team together to set up an angle where someone beats one of them. Uh, so, it had been Jay White before, and now it is Suzuki pinning Okada. He did a fucking La Mystica. Can we talk about this? Minoru Suzuki's 50 years old. Or is he 51? He's at least 50 years old, right? And he did a fucking La Mystica. And then he... I, I can believe, like, because that's the thing about this, right? Kazuchika Okada beat everybody in the G1. He just, he couldn't beat Ibushi... Uh, and he... Who else beat him? Fuck, I... Uh, Tama Sonata. Right, Sonata finally got the big win over him. And then Ibushi, who's, like, the guy now, beat him. Because it's Ibushi's time. But... Minoru Suzuki wasn't even in G1. But you know he's as good as everyone who was in it, or better. Clearly he's better than Toriyano and Bad Luck Fale. And Taichi, no offense. But... Listen... So... I can believe... That Okada would not have game planned for a La Mystica. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, if you want to beat Okada, you gotta do some shit he definitely didn't see coming. And a La Mystica from Minoru Suzuki, that falls into that category. Yeah, I'm. I can believe that he would. That Okada would be ready for most of Suzuki's tricks, but not that one. And he got fucking pile driven and pinned. And that's the World Quest main event. And I'm. I'm here for it. Uh, it'll probably be excellent. The way all their matches are excellent. Um. So. Yeah, 
and then before that, we had uh, just no big deal. It was just Tama Tonga, Tangaloa, and Balakfale uh, defeated Kenta, Tomorishi, and uh, Yoshihashi. In in this review, okay, who reviewed the show? Neil David. I'm not very Neil David, but I just think it's funny. Neil does a good job. I've I've read his reviews before. Uh, <laughs> he didn't put Yoshihashi's name in the match, which like goddamn, couldn't Yoshi? I mean, like, that's almost like more appropriate that his name isn't listed here, because who fucking cares? Although he didn't put Tagaloa's name, so you know, like Tagaloa is not better than Tom, than 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 uh, Yoshihashi. Uh, but yeah, there was just some match or whatever, then, um... Oh, right, then we had the greatest angle in pro wrestling history. I forgot about that. We, uh, had cuts... So, they're having a match, and Kevin Kelly, here's what I fucking love. Uh, Kenta drops off the apron when, like, I want to say Ishii goes for a tag, right? Yeah, um... And then Ishii's like, fuck it, whatever. And he cleans house anyway, because he's Tomohiro fucking Ishii, the never champion. Don't you ever fucking forget. Uh... And he's cleaning out, and then Kenta... So, oh no, before this, Kevin Kelly says, well, Yoshihashi's still there for Ishii. And, oh boy. did That's when Tomori Ishii knew he was fucked. <laughs> there's no... There's not one name I'd rather hear less. When, like, oh, shit, are we outnumbered? Well, who's my partner? Yoshihashi. Well, why don't you just blow my brains out now? Why don't we just... I'll just lie here and get pinned. Except it's Tomohiro fucking Ishii. So he was like, yeah, it's 3v2, and on the two, one of the us is Yoshihashi. But I'm gonna kill everybody anyway, because I'm Tomohiro fucking Ishii. And he goes and he kills everyone. But what he didn't see coming was Kenta running in from behind, like the snake that he is! And coming in and giving that Busaiko knee to the drowning chorus of booze! The drowning chorus of booze! Throughout the Budokan. And this is... This fucking Kato... Once again... God damn you. God damn you, you brilliant bastard. You... Like... Kenta was getting booed through the G1. The, the, the New Japan fans rejected him. He's a Noah guy. He's all Noah. His fucking name is Kenta. Right? He's named after... His mentor, Kenta Kobashi. It's in his name. He's not... He's not a New Japan guy. He's a Noah guy. Through and through. Fuck him. And so what do they do? They go, oh, you're gonna boo Kenta. You're gonna, Kenta's like, you're gonna boo me. You know what? Fuck you. And he goes, and he joins Bullet Club, because that's where the money is. And what is, and here's the thing. If it had just been a turn rejoin, you know, it would've been like, you know, would've been a, a, a you know, would've been a cool angle, cool little angle, right? And people would've been like, oh, I don't want to see Kenta in Bullet Club. I like Kenta. I don't want to... See him running around with these fucking the the Tong Tongans and Bad Luck Fale and Yujiro, Chase Owens, right? I want to see him, you know, killing people, not being a little chicken shit. <clears throat> and there has been a little bit of discussion of that, but but the reason you haven't seen more of that discussion is because drowning out that discussion is the the footsteps, the thunderous footsteps of the man they call Shibata. The wrestler running down in his fucking sneakers, getting in that ring, and he's, he didn't just get in the ring and go nose to nose with Kenta and yell at him and say, "What are you doing?" No, he didn't ask questions. Shibata doesn't ask questions. He shows the fuck up 
and he's like, fuck you. And he kills Kenta with a forearm. And then more forearms. More forearms in the corner. Just I'm gonna punch you to death. I trained you, and this is how you were paying me? I let you use my dropkick. And you're out here fucking joining the Bullet Club? I don't care. You want to beat up Tomorishi on your own time? That's, I don't give a shit. I've done that a bunch of times. Me and him killed each other in 2013. That's how we're famous now. <laughs> but you want to beat up Ishii? You want to beat up Yoshihashi? Go for it. But you're going to join the Bullet Club on my watch? Not today. And he forearms Kenta. God, these, he lays these forearms in hard. And then Kenta's destroyed in the corner. And Tamatang comes up behind Shibata, which is a mistake. And Shibata launches him with his forearm. <laughs> and then Tangaloa tries to stop him. Launched with a forearm. He launches them. And then he sees Fale stand up in the corner. He says, yeah, fuck you too, buddy. I beat you in the New Japan Cup two years ago. And he boots Fale off the apron. And then he does the the running dropkick on Kenta. And all of his offense looks so good. He didn't have any, like, rust as far as his offense looking so good. He, he laid everyone out. He's going to set up Kenta, for, put him in the choke. Uh, and then, then he gets he gets overrun. He gets outnumbered. They all, they all come in. They beat him up. Uh, and the thing. We don't have any answers. For, so then Kenta gets it. He puts Shibata in the choke. He puts him in his own choke that he's been using. He's been using the Shibata choke and the PK, this whole G1, as well as the corner dropkick. Shibata apparently is cool with it. He was cool with it, but now he's doing, he's getting it. Kenta's doing it to him, and he sits Shibata down the middle of the ring, and he gives him the fucking PK, and then he sits on his chest in what Garrett Kidney described as one of the best visuals in wrestling history. And that's not far enough, Garrett! It's not one of! It is the best visual that I can ever fucking remember. I this I look Okay. I I can't say definitively that this was the best angle in wrestling history. What I will say is show me a better one. Hogan Bash of the Beach? That was really good. Was it better than this though? Is it better than this? Maybe. Maybe. Seth Rollins turned on the shield. That was really good. Was it better than this? Definitely not better. No. Cedric Alexander being, <laughs> being a janitor. <laughs> Getting beat up and pinned and then unmasking, but then acting like he really accomplished something. Was... <laughs> Alright, um... Okay, look, we don't fucking know if Shabbat is back. Everyone is just speculating, okay? As of this recording... I don't know, no one knows, except Shibata and probably fucking Gato and Meiji or whatever. I don't, and I don't, I don't know Sh and Kandani. I don't, we don't know if Shibata's back, and that's part of the magic of this. We didn't know he was gonna be, and we don't, still don't know if he is. We, uh, Kenta's probably gonna get a never shot against Ishii. Uh, I'm sure Goto's not gonna take this fucking line down. He's gonna, he's gonna stand up for his, his dojo buddy, right? And he's gonna go, so we're gonna get Kenta and Goto probably. Uh, this sets up so many things, and I fucking, oh, this is so, pro wrestling is so fucking good, everybody. When it's done well, it's so good. It's the best. How can you not love it? Ah. Uh.
I. So we don't know. We don't know if Shibata's gonna be back. We don't know. The dude had was bleeding from his brain. But goddamn, if he does come back, he's gonna murder Kenta. <laughs> Kenta's gonna get what's coming to him. That son of a bitch. Um, before this, there's nothing else to talk about in the show, really. What else is there? Hanari and Juice versus... I, I'm skipping this other match. I don't care. As a Goto and some Shingen. And there's some... It's LIJ1 and Sonata got a pin. Who cares? Alright, um... Hanari and Juice defeat Moxley and Shotomino. So this is fun because we got... This, well, first, the shooter, Shotomino, uh, unfortunately getting pinned. Because I guess Hanari's not technically a young line anymore. <laughs> so I guess he outranks Umino. I didn't think of that. Well, I don't... Anyway. Um... But Juice, uh... We got more Juice and Moxley interactions, and Moxley put Juice to a fucking table because uh, they're he's only given Juice the rematch for the U.S. title if it's no DQ. I'm sorry I'm cursing so much, everybody. I'm not really sorry, but I just don't like how much I'm over-relying on it in this podcast, but I just get very excited. So then uh, we also had uh, show Yo and Will Ospreay defeat uh, Ishimori, Owens, and Yujiro. And the only noble thing here is that Osprey pinned Yujiro like he was nobody. Which, yeah, Yujiro is nobody, but he's still technically a heavyweight. Osprey's still technically a junior, but Osprey is better than him by a lot. There wasn't even like a back and forth at the end. Like Osprey just fucking beat him. There was Yujiro didn't even struggle. He just got Stormbreakered. That's just what happened to him. Uh, and then there was a uh, fun match with Liger that I didn't really watch, but, you know, Liger's great. And I, Jeff Cobb got a win there. Um, and Lance Archer was there. Maybe that was fun. Uh, but I did watch Carl Fredericks and Clark Connors uh, defeat uh, Yota Suji and Ren Narita because you gotta look out for the prospects, man. These LA Dojo guys are for real. There's some real motherfuckers. Carl Fredericks has a look on him, doesn't he? He's got a look. That guy is chill. You know, Carl Fredericks reminds me of a young Jay White. In that he is a uh, Westerner. I mean, this is, yeah. I mean, I guess New Zealand is considered the you're you're Western if you're white, I guess. So Carl Fredericks, uh, he's um he's got star written on him. I wouldn't say all over him, but it's definitely written on him. And uh, you know, I, the more I watch him, the the more I'll better, you know, you know, the more I'll be able to judge. But um, Renarita is great, as we all know. Suji, I like Suji. Uh, he's probably the fourth guy in this match. As Clark Connors look like a pretty good little worker there as well. So, we'll look out for all these guys, really. Um, uh, you know, coming up. So, that was the, uh, the New Japan G1 shows. Now, we're gonna jump into some dub dub Let's start with TakeOver. So, I tried to record a segment for this earlier, but I had some problems going on with my recording... And, uh, with the house, because, like I mentioned earlier, it was on fire. So we got a bunch of shit going on here. Uh, it wasn't on fire today, but, you know, the, the, the uh, fallout from that is still in effect. We got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's start with the main event here. Two out of three falls, Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano. Well, I'll tell you what, boy. This match was long. <laughs> I... Love their first two matches. I love the two out of th- the first two out of three falls match. Thought was excellent. Uh, the second, ma- I thought their last match was the best match in WWE history. Um, I only did go five on it. At the time, I watched it with Benel. I thought it was like a six star match. 
but I reeled that back a little, because I realized, after it was over, I wasn't necessarily really compelled to go back and rewatch it, you know? And I feel like for a match that I, like, for, <laughs> like the same way I was with Jay White and Ibushi, you know? And if I really loved a match that much, I feel like I should have, you know, thought about it more after it was over. But uh, I love their, yeah, I love their their series up to this point. I thought I liked this match. I went four and a quarter on it. But my favorite part was the first fall, which ended in a dumb way, where Gargano hit him with a chair to try to gain an advantage. Except the problem with this is a couple things. One, that's a heel move, and two, heels usually do it in Iron Man matches where it's not a race to two points, it's just whoever ends with the most. So, it's not, you know, giving away one fall doesn't mean, isn't as dumb an idea, because if you win the fall right back, you can dominate for the 59 other minutes, or whatever. Except here, Johnny didn't, he, he didn't get the second fall right away either. He hit him with a chair, and Adam Cole ran away, then they fought in the crowd, came back, they did some cool spots, and Gargano submitted him for the second fall. But he had to work for it. So it was a dumb plan. It was executed incorrectly. And done by the wrong wrestler. This is NXT. They usually don't fuck stuff up like this. But you know what? They had to do more because that the, that's the problem. Their, their first match was two out of three falls. Their rematch was an excellent match where they did like so many... That's the thing with their rematch. It was like that... As much as that first match had all the great near falls and so... was That was a dramatic match, I'll say, at the end. We're talking about dramatic matches. I, for some people, I'm sure that Gargano title win was as big a deal, uh, you know, a really big deal and a big uh, dramatic flourish and moment. Um, but I thought that second match just was like a perfect match psychologically uh, and uh, in terms of structure where they put put all the high spots and when they put them. And I just loved the ebb and flow of that match. I thought it was perfectly executed as well. Um... Not to mention it was fucking cool. Like, they did cool shit, too. They had everything. Uh, this match, they had to top the first four... four they had four falls <laughs> before this match of excellent wrestling to, to, you know, overcome. And they were going to do three more. So, yeah, they had to do more and have a cage with weapons in it. The old TNA gimmick. I forgot what it's called in TNA. Gary Kidney would know. But, um, yeah. Uh, now, here's the thing. Adam Cole didn't really beat Johnny at all in this match. Because <laughs> Gargano gave him a fall by hitting him with a chair. Then he submitted Cole. Then they both fell through a table and a really cool stun helmet. And then Cole just kind of crawled over him. So Cole did have the resiliency and the wherewithal to get his arm over him. So that's... He won that way. But it didn't feel like he definitively beat Johnny Gargano in either fall that he won. Uh, which maybe that's the way of protecting Gargano. But also, if Gargano is leaving, who gives a fuck? I know that Cole is a heel. And Gargano was the top babyface for a year, two years. God, he's been here a while, huh? He really should move up, probably. <laughs> he's been, Look, I've loved the Johnny Gargano main event run in NXT. I, he's been... I think Johnny... He's been... As much, I love Sami Zayn's run more, because I just love Sami Zayn more as a wrestler. Uh, I love Bailey more. But in terms of just match quality, Johnny Gargano's the best... Uh, not, he's not just the best worker like of this decade in WWE, 
But, like, he he was the best NXT wrestler they've ever had. If you include his tag work... If we had that 200 thing falls match with DI, DI, uh, DIY and the Revival, where people, you know, were saying that was the best match in WWE history. The Champa matches, which I thought were excellent. And, let, you know what? Okay. Let's talk about Johnny Gargano for a second. Um... Because some people aren't as high on him as others. And I think what it is is... With, like, Okada, it's kind of like, you know... You know, uh... <laughs> praise fatigue. You know? And also, he's in WWE, which nobody likes. Even though it's NXT, which people do like more. Uh, some people are still gonna hold that against him. Um... And he does have the... <laughs> he has the, the meme of, like, looking at his hands and being all over dramatic and... The melodrama of him and Champa's feud. But let's talk about Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano started in NXT with Tommaso Champa. They were just a couple indie guys. Yes, Johnny Gargano had been on top in Dragon Gates and Evolve for... He had like a, a two-year-long title run. Yes. Doesn't fucking matter. This is WWE. Cares. <laughs> Doesn't mean shit. Look at Akira Tozawa. Okay, granted, Tozawa was never the champion, I guess, in Dragon Gate or whatever. Um, but, uh, look at, um, okay, I guess Kevin Owens is in a pretty good spot right now. <laughs> look at Chris Hero. Chris Hero's guy, top guy all over the world, look at him now. That was not doing shit. Um, so, and he's also small. Let's not forget, Johnny Gargano is small. It means less to Triple H, I guess, because Triple H has been pushing the Nevilles and the Zanes of the world. Um... But he has this tag team with Champa. They have this amazing feud with the Revival. Uh, they put on multiple classics, uh, including that 2-3 Falls match. Then they do the big breakup. Now, here's the thing about this. Here's the trick. Champa injures his knee, and they don't they can't they don't go right from the tag team to that feud. Johnny has to like fuck around and like toil in the mid card for a while, while Champa recovers. So he doesn't even have the momentum to get to the next feud. What does he do? He wins some matches here and there, loses some here and there. And then he finds a man named Andrade Cien Almas. And these two men have what the kids call chemistry. To be fair, the adults call it that too. But these guys go out and they have the best matches on every show. All the house shows, I guess, they toured around. On the takeover, they, they open the takeover... And, like, the, the, one of the best openers WWE's ever seen. Uh, they're just fluid, smooth as silk wrestling. Uh, their styles mesh. All, all, everything they're doing looks beautiful. And so he finds a dance partner without Champa even there. So Champa finally heals up. Finally comes back and they can do the feud. Uh, like, six or eight months, whatever it was. Way after, like, what would have been the, the hottest peak of it. They're able to still heat it up enough for Champa to come back and participate. And, look, those matches were divisive, but I, I fuck it. I, I loved the first two. I'll say, I, the, the first one I no doubt loved. That was awesome. Uh, the second one, I loved most of it. I thought the finish was kind of weird, but I enjoyed most of it. Uh, and then, the, but that's the one that had the, created the meme of Gargano looking at his hands. I don't fucking care. He can look at his hands as he fucking wants. He gives me a four and a half star match. I'm on board. <laughs> uh, the third match, I was like, I, I think they kind of, you know, they. It was unfortunate because it was supposed to be a triple threat, and then, you know, st stuff got moved around for 
whatever reason. And, uh, so, uh, I wasn't as into that third one. They'd, uh, they kind of run the, the, the tank dry there. But then they were built, rebuilding up to another story of having Gargano be the one to beat Champa for the title. And they had the story right there, and Champa gets injured again. So what does he do? We Well, we pivot it into a feud with Cole and Gargano, and they go on to have two of what a lot of people think are the best matches in WWE history. Johnny Gargano is like... The the, the shit he's accomplished, right? This, I mean, I'm glossing over a whole period here where he had that amazing match with Ricochet. He won the NXT North American title. Then he lost it to Dream in what ended up being... Uh, Dream's crowning achievement. So yeah, I mean, for all the critiques you want to levy towards this man, the things he's accomplished, and the, you know, despite the, the circumstances he's been put in, uh, he's not only risen to the occasion, he's surpassed every expectation you'd possibly have for for him. Um, he's just... Uh, he's fucking Johnny Wrestling, man. Uh, and Adam Cole... Uh, let's talk about how Adam Cole... Went from being a guy that people were like, oh, yeah, he's a great character, but not necessarily a great wrestler, to having the two best WWE matches of all time, according to some people. Um, for me, the, the second match is that. I, I, I believe that second match is. Um, so, uh, this two out of three... Now, this match itself, this here, I've gotten away from talking about it, because I really... I, I don't have much more to say. I just... Because they did so... They tried to top four falls of great wrestling by adding plunder and i don't think the final stunt got over and it worked it felt def like not definitive because you know cole just rolled over him to win but just i felt like a period to the sentence you know the end of this um but like the you know the uh, doing the stories off the ladders and the, the story off the top rope it looked cool but like it, not, it didn't mean it became very indie and that we're doing a lot of big moves, it doesn't mean as much anymore. And that's not... That's what, like, a lot of criticisms levy towards the indie style. And I feel like a lot of that criticism, a lot of times, is unfounded. But in this instance, it's it's pretty... It's founded. I found it. I found it in... Uh, um, I found it in this match, so... And, uh... So, yeah, let's talk about the NXT tag title match. Street Profits... For Sunday Speed Error, the Street Profits rising to the occasion. These guys have improved a bunch as well. We all know Montez Ford is a future WrestleMania main eventer. This this dude's charisma off the chain. And Angel Dawkins is also good. It's a lot like, um... They're, they're a lot like Heavy Machinery, where it's like... Man, Otis Dozovich is so charismatic. But also, Tucker is good. Like, it's... Their, their partners are not as charismatic as them. But they're, you know, they're good. They, 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 they're there to, you know, pick up the other, the rest of the slack. Montez Ford was not, is not a, necessarily a great wrestler yet. He's a terrific athlete, and he's improved a lot. But Angelo Dawkins, I feel like, it seems like he's more experienced. Uh, he just seems like he's a, a bit of the glue of the team. Where Montez Ford is the the peaks. He gets all the peaks, all the stuff you remember. Uh, I, I love the finish of this match, too. I love that... The, the big dive led right to the finish, and that, you know, Undisputed Era didn't, they didn't uh, come back from that. Montez do dove on both of them through Kyle in. Uh, Bobby Fish tried to stop it, but got speared. And then Ford splashed Kyle and pinned that man. 
he pinned that man clean in the middle Street Profits I would I, I wish I could be more excited about them but they're in this company you know let's talk about this triple threat match NXT North American title Velveteen Dream defends against Pete Dunne as well as Roderick Strong the storyline leading up to this was bullshit Roderick Strong pins Velveteen in a tag then Pete Dunne beats Roderick Strong whatever I look NXT is going to be taken over by Vince McMahon soon. The era, it's the end of an era. Pack your bags, throw it all in the U-Haul. Get the fuck out of here. It's all over. It's closing time, everybody. Vince is coming. Big Daddy Vince is coming in with his fucking big dick. Gonna swing it around right in AEW's face. There's your counter-programming for ya. Here's some, here's some blood and guts. Whatever the fuck. And, uh... It's all over, folks. It's all over. As for this match, it was a good match. I went four stars on it. Oh, for the Street Profits and Speed Era, I also went four stars. Uh, so, pretty... I, re I enjoyed the show, I guess. That's what I'm saying. I enjoyed the show. The rest of it was very good. Um, I thought the finish was weird. Pete Dunne was, you know, when he was NXT UK Champion, was very heavily protected. Uh, didn't lose to anybody, really. And uh, now, he's still relatively protected. He had the win here. And Dream, like, kind of cheated to keep the title by distracting the ref, stopping the ref's count. Um, and everyone got the shit in done doing the stomps on both men I thought was cool. Uh, Roderick Strong is a wrestling machine. Velveteen Dream is a crossover fucking legit star just hanging out in, in a developmental brand. This dude is legit. He's a crossover level star. This dude could be The Rock. Uh, and he's just hanging out here in developmental... I mean, he's young. He's like 22 or something. So it's fine. Also, I think, you know, Vince will probably fuck him up. So it's, again, it's fine. Pete Dunn is not, I wouldn't say he's a, Pete Dunn is not a crossover star. I mean, he's not quite a wrestling machine. But he's got a lot of both. He's like, he's like, I think he could be a big star. Like, WrestleMania semi-main eventer. Maybe even main eventer. Honestly. As like the heel, you know? I could totally see him in that role as, like, the big heel that, um, some hero defeats or something like that. Um, Roderick Strong, I don't think, is gonna be a major star in this company, but he will be an excellent wrestler the whole time. And so, we'll see. I mean, look, it's gone Cesaro as far as it's gone him. Uh, Shayna Baszler versus Mia Yim. I love Mia Yim. I wish this okay. This match could not follow the match that I am leaving for last, even, even with the buffer because it was. We know it may not be fair. In fact, it's probably not fair to compare this women's match with the other one. But people are gonna. And the thing is, Baszler and Yim having a grappling and striking, you know, shoot fest kind of match after the, how dynamic the other one was. I feel like the crowd just wasn't into it. They didn't really... They haven't built Mia Yim up enough, really. Uh, even though I think she's a great babyface and could be, like, a great breakout babyface. Could have been the person to stop Shayna. Um, she wasn't built up enough. She wasn't nearly as over as Bianca Belair was in the situation. She wasn't as over as Kyrie Sane has been in the situation. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I honestly, I think the... If the long-term game isn't to put the belt on EO, then maybe they put the belt on Candice. I'm not sure. The Shayna Baszler, I, I gotta say, I'm getting tired of this run. 
I'm just getting tired of it. Shayna is very good at what she does. Uh, I enjoy her, but I she doesn't. Um, she just I'm just tired of it. I just keep seeing it's the same. It's it's too much of the same thing. I've been seeing it for too long. This it's she's run through everybody. Uh, yeah, I just I I would like something new at the top, and um, I wish I wish this match had more heat. Uh, they got they got a little into it when Mia Yim hit that. Uh, what was that super like a code right off the top of the middle rope? It was they got into it then. Um, so yeah, I uh, can't go more than like three stars on this because the crowd was really into it. All right, Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai. This is fucking awesome. This was the WWE match of the weekend. Four and a half stars for this bitch. This was one of the best women's matches they've ever had. This was the Io Shirai I've been waiting to see. I think we've all been waiting to see. Uh, and she, it, t it took her being a heel to do it. She now has the exudes the aura and the confidence she had when she was queen bitch over at fucking Stardom. She exudes alphaness, you know, just like. Uh, and her her new entrance is cool. Her ring gear is cool. She was a fucking tour de force in this match. Uh, and Kansla Ray, you know, I was talking about Kota before. Kansla Ray is an excellent underdog babyface. She's excellent. I think Benel has talked about how he doesn't want to watch Candice LeRae wrestle against, you know, not men. <laughs> he enjoys the intergender matches so much. Which Candice LeRae, you know, there's a lot of intergender wrestling going around now. And uh, there's some even very good stuff. Tessa Blanchard and Sammy Callahan, I very much enjoyed that feud. But Candice LeRae was like the, as far as, I, for, for me, and people who are like indie wrestling consumers of my ilk, uh, Candice LeRae was, like, the OG intergender wrestler, and, um, so, but, it was like, some, you know, Benel was like, oh, I don't want to see Candice wrestle women, but I was like, look, if she's really that good, she will excel wrestling women, too, especially when she's wrestling a woman like Io Shirai, who, you know, uh, is not a man, technically, but she still beat the shit out of Candice, <laughs> it still put Candice in a deep peril, Still had her on the defense. And Candice, this is where Candice LeRae really got to show the world who the fuck she is. She's not Johnny Gargano's wife. No, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. Before Johnny Gargano was a thing, Candice LeRae was Candice motherfucking LeRae. <laughs> okay? She, and she's been this this whole time. And the thing, we haven't really gotten to see it, uh, in WWE at least, until now. This was a breakout for both women. I feel like this is... Um, honestly, look, to me, all the competition for best women's wrestling in WWE has been the last four or five years. Like, there's been, there was nothing before that that was, you know... The, here's what I will say. The first four-star match I ever gave a WWE women's match was Charlotte Flair versus Natalya on that takeover where Charlotte won the title. That was the first four-star women's match I ever gave. So, if you're talking to me about it for best women's match, every it starts from there. <laughs> okay, the cutoff is that point. Anything before that, I did not give four stars. Um, I, I know there's probably some really good jumping, like when when the jumping bomb angels were in here for a little bit, they had some stuff. But that's a little before my time. I can't really grade that on the same curve. Um. For me, the best women's match I ever had is still 
Sasha versus Bailey two, the Iron Woman match, and uh, take over respect. That's the most... also I think was it the first WWE five star match I ever gave. No, no, I love Undertaker and Shawn from Mania, yeah, from Mania twenty five, two thousand nine, and then Punk and Cena I also gave five. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so this was I, I gave this four and a half. I love this. Uh, well, Candice LeRae just looked like she couldn't, like, all of her wrestling, you know, was just doing the, like, similar to Will Ospreay, she would just flip out of everything Candice did to her. She was just a step ahead of her. She was too much. She would flip out of it, overpower Candice. That's the thing. Despite, Candice LeRae, despite her, uh, talents, Io was faster than her. She was stronger than her. She's better at striking. She had more submissions. Just felt like she... Like, Candice was just up against someone who's just better than her in every way. But she kept kicking out. That's the one place Eo couldn't beat Candice. Candice is hard. So... <laughs> it's cheesy as fuck, I know. But that was the story. Candice was all heart. Even this going up against this tour to f this force of nature that Eo Shirai is. She refused to stay down. In fact, she didn't even tap out. She passed out in this new hole that Eo debuted. I don't know what it's called. It was fucking cool looking. It was like a leg sleeper, basically. I will say also, I'm going to point out that in the Shayna Mia Yim match, uh, using her legs to choke out Mia was a cool, like, new touch. Uh, you know. But, uh, so, yeah, Eo gets Candice to tap to pass out. Women's wrestling to be, they, all the women use, have submissions. I kind of like that. It's really cool. Uh, that's going to continue when we get to SummerSlam, actually. Which we will now get to. Let us start in the main event. Seth Rollins. This fucking dork. This dweeb. Does shit. No chemistry. Negative chemistry with his girlfriend, Becky. Fucking. <laughs> makes her less cool by being around her. Just dork on Twitter saying John Moxley's stealing food from his plate. Goes out, goes out, gets <laughs> cashed in on my Brock Lesnar, just beaten and then gets his ass kicked for two weeks straight. It gets brutalized. And comes back out the next week and gets his ass kicked again for no reason, accomplishing nothing. The crowd jeers him. He cuts his promo and he's all depressed, saying, I can't have nothing else. And he just... Well, he comes in here and he has a four and a half star fucking match and wins the title. So, uh, I don't know, man. Look, I, uh, I've never been a Seth Rollins hater. He certainly has his shortcomings. For one, I don't think he should be the leading man of WWE. I think that's a mistake. I think they have much better people. Uh, Keith Lee comes to mind. If you want to have a top babyface, uh, Kevin Owens. Uh, fucking Bailey. <laughs> Uh, Becky? Yeah, those are other people. Well, yeah, on, on your mail, I get Yeah, for your mail uh, roster, still a lot of better choices. Daniel Bryan, Mustafa Ali. But, Seth Rollins, he's a good wrestler. That's the one thing I will defend about. I enjoy his wrestling. And I thought this match here was the first time Brock Lesnar was defeated in a way that felt definitive, in a way that felt like... It mattered, it felt impactful, it felt memorable, um, and it felt like since Lesnar ended the streak, he was this unstoppable killing machine monster. And yes, he dropped a couple falls. He got caught by Goldberg, right, uh, which he avenged, though, uh, 
uh, he did. Undertaker did eventually beat him at a SummerSlam, but it was bullshit. Like Undertaker cheated to beat him. So, and then Roman just speared him and pinned him at like what, like what was the last SummerSlam or whatever. So that was pretty dumb and anticlimactic as fuck. Um, so here we are, Seth Rollins, and I love the layout of this match. This is very a very Heyman match, the, uh, the way all Lesnar matches are. But as people were joking about on Twitter, everyone starts with three three finishers already loaded. Already got their special bar filled up. Lesnar's goes for a German. Seth lands on his feet. Curb stomp. Go for the kill. Lesnar kicks out. But fuck it. Keep, pedal on the gas. It's all big moves here. Uh, Seth is going to counter his power with his speed. That's the whole fucking... That's, all, that's the whole story. He goes for the Germans. Seth backflips out of it. Draws for the F5. Seth slips out. Eventually, he does catch Seth here and there. And then Seth, he puts it all on the line with his injured ribs. Uh, not only was that, that funny, the, the great image of uh, Brock, th- you know, twirling him around by his rib tape. Uh, that was great. And then also, Seth sacrificing his injured ribs, delivering the frog splash to the table. Which, yeah, look, we've seen a lot of WWE table spots, and it's like, they don't mean as much. Shane does in every match. So, but... Uh, Seth having the injured ribs and in the spot, and then the fact that it, it led him to victory made it actually, you know, important. Uh, so, that was fucking great. Uh, and yeah, Rollins, he just gets out of the F5, curb stomps him a few more times, and then puts him away. He pins Lesnar clean in the middle. And, uh, I, this is a great pro wrestling story, so I, I have no complaints about this at all. I went four and a half stars on it. Think if it's not the best WWE uh, main roster match of the year, the only other contender I have is uh, Rollins versus AJ. Uh, again, Rollins in the big, in the big, you know, the big spot. So, yep, uh, I enjoyed the thumbs up for that one. Uh, the Fiend defeated Finn Balor. Uh, the match does doesn't matter. The Fiend's entrance is fucking sick. Uh, it was fucking great. That's all you need. Just watch his entrance, and then he squashed Finn Balor. It's fine. Finn will come back as the demon, and then hopefully he wins. I don't want the demon to lose. You know, even though I know they're protecting the fiend right now. I mean, Balor's got to go to a honeymoon or some shit, so we might not see the demon versus the fiend until Mania, hopefully. Um, sounds good to me. Uh, for the WWE title, Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton fought to a double countout. That's what, what? It was a double countout. Uh, this is bad. This is bad. Let's move on. This is bad. You know, no, 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 move on yet. What I will say, I watched uh, half of Kofi's, um, the the Year of the Return documentary special, uh, and it's really good. Kofi's great. I love Kofi. The problem is, he's not a great WWE champion. They should probably, I, I, uh, we all want him to win it, but people don't even care that he has it anymore. He is not as, he's not as over as he was. He, people, they, yeah, it's just, they don't give a shit. They don't... He hasn't had any great matches. He hasn't had compelling feuds. This is the first feud that I felt was compelling. The Samoa Joe and Dolph Ziggler feuds and Kevin Owens, they all just kind of came and went, you know? The Daniel Bryan feud was compelling. That was good, and then he won the title. But those other those other feuds just kind of happened and doesn't really, you know, I can't tell you anything about them. Um, but this Randy Orton feud, this felt like the na- natural, this should have been the first feud they went to after Daniel Bryan, really, because this is the most natural feud going off the real-life history with them. 
And I do, I have enjoyed how they've used that real life history. But as someone has pointed out on Twitter, uh, the reason WWE has to rely on stuff like that is because they can't actually tell compelling stories otherwise. <laughs> they have to rely on things like the fact that Randy and Kofi had real heat a decade ago and that Randy fucked Kofi's push with his big fucking third generation dick. <laughs> he said, yeah, no, don't push that. Don't push him. He, uh, he didn't get up for a punt kick once. So fuck him forever. Um, yeah, I, uh, the, the, the match was, the match was bullshit. It was, bu- it was bullshit. This finish was nonsense. Nobody wants it. That's the thing. It didn't make you want to see a rematch. It just made you upset. Okay, Charlotte Flair defeated Trish Stratus. This is one of the better things on the show. I went three and a half stars. Uh, this may be the best Trish match ever. I think the only other competitors are the Lita match from Raw, which is very good. It's kind of like a, you know, it's just kind of become like a folktale because it was like the women main eventing Raw for the first time, and it was Trish and Lita, the two big stars. And so also Trish did that dive where she scorpioned herself, you know. Kind of the same way like the Taker-Michaels match. The spot they always play is Taker diving and, you know, missing the cameraman or whatever. But, but, and, but the thing is, that entire match was awesome. And the Trish and Lita Raw match was very good. If you watch, I rewatched the match recently. Uh, it's not, the thing is, it's, it's like a Raw match. So it's like nine minutes, maybe less. And it is like a very good match. Uh, but this might have been better. I think there was, I think, a, I think this might have been a better wrestling match. Yeah, this told more of a story. They had more time here. I thought Trish, all things considered, looked look very good. Uh, for someone who hadn't had a singles match in 12 years, everybody. If you don't count, she had, like, a thing with Vicky Guerrero, which wasn't, that doesn't really count. But, like, actually having, like, a real singles match, it would have been 12 years since Trish had one, and I thought she, I thought Charlotte had a great, did a great job of covering for her. I won't say she carried Trish, because I thought, you know, she did have to cover for her on a few things, you know. Um, okay, she, fine, she carried Trish. (laughs) <laughs> she did a good job, um, but uh, yeah, Trish did all the the things you you never want, all her big spots, and um, yeah, I I really enjoyed this. Um, this is exactly how I you know, if this is Trish's last match is a great way to go, and this is how I kind of want the legends to be used. Now give me Becky versus Lita. Actually, we're looks like we're getting Becky versus Sasha because Sasha's back, and actually I. Guess I prefer that because I uh, Becky versus Lita has like the uh, you know the novelty factor, and I, I've never seen it before. So I'd be in you know I don't know if Lita can wrestle anymore though. So I will say Tr- Lita did not look as good as Trish in the appearance she's made recently. So who knows, man? But um, yeah, Kevin Owens defeated Shaman Man. This was WWE stories nonsense. But Kevin Owens is also the most over baby face they've had in years. So they should fucking run with him. Uh, and also, at least he won. Thank God for that. Uh, Bailey defeats Ember Moon. This was a good, solid pro wrestling match with uh, that did not have heat because they did not uh, put over. They did not build Ember Moon correctly for this match. Ember Moon lost a bunch of matches on the way to this show. Uh, she did not win a match to get this match. Bailey just chose her, which I always fucking hate. Why do they do that? They did this with Daniel Bryan and Cena. In 2013, Cena won. Cena just. Daniel Bryan was on a hot streak. He was winning all these matches, looking great, and everyone knew he was 
probably in line for a title shot soon because they they gave him all these wins. Uh, but he, does, does Daniel Bryan win a mini tournament or a battle royal even or something to get the title shot? No, Cena just lines everyone up on stage and goes, "I pick Daniel Bryan." Why? Why did Bailey pick Ember Moon here? Because they won a tag match together and you're friends. How, well, how, what? Isn't that like can can we not have the moment of like Ember Moon hitting the eclipse on someone, pinning them, and then the crowd gets to react to her getting a title match? Can we not have the build like have you know an elimination match or whatever where we're doing Ember oh, Ember eliminates someone and then so the the uh, who who else I don't know Charlotte yeah have, have, have what if Ember had beaten Charlotte on the way to this match? How much more of would she have been? I, I don't know maybe not you know. More than this, you want this crowd to make noise. Why would they give a fuck about Bailey and her friend that she decides to wrestle? They're not gonna. Doesn't matter how many cool moves Ember has. Doesn't matter if she, she's a good wrestler. She has no, no, no one thought she was gonna win. And if she did win, it would be horseshit because she did nothing to earn it. As a babyface, no less. It's one thing if a heel worms their way into a mat. This is two babyfaces. So there's no one like. <laughs> There's not even someone to necessarily root for. Right? I don't even like heels, you know, not... Even the heels would have to earn the match. But no, but fucking... Yeah, this, is why, this, is why, this is why... This is why... This is why... Fuck this company. And this is, like, not even one of the worst things they've done. This is just indicative of the bigger problem, is they just don't... They don't build things correctly. It's not... Not how you build a match, a title match. Um, match was fine, but the crowd was dead. I don't know, two and a half stars. What do you want from me? Uh, AJ Styles defeated Ricochet. What the fuck? There's that like three cool spots, and that's it. The finish was cool. Ricochet walking on the the fucking their shoulders was cool, and uh, there was like some there was like good athleticism from Ricochet. But the why was this pace so slowly? There's a Ricochet AJ Styles match. It was going, like, at half speed, and then it was over. They didn't even, like, start going fast at the end. Where's the intensity? Where's the... Where's the... Why, why are you guys going at half speed? What? Two and three quarters from both Kelly and Garrett for this. I, I get... I'd probably go three and a quarter, I get, because it had some stuff I enjoyed. And the finish was really dope. Um, but, I mean, this is... For AJ Ricochet... Even, like, three and a quarter. That's, what? Goldberg defeated Dolph Ziggler. Okay, whatever. Um, Dolph Ziggler is, is pointless. The, his character is that. He's, point, he's pointless. Uh, submission match for the, the Raw Women's title. Becky Lynch defeated Natalia. I really like this. Um, Kelly Harris went four. Garrett Kidney went three and a half. I'm going to go three and three quarters. Split the difference there. I, um... Yeah, they used each other's uh, submission. I, do, I agree with Garrett. The whole... Submission submission matches are no DQ, so ro there's no rope breaks, which that's like one of the big things about submission. Like, a submission match should have rope breaks. That's like, what? So no DQ. Yeah, just shoot some, just shoot them or whatever. Just just jab a fork in their eye until they give up. I mean, these two are both baby phases, so they're not gonna do that. But yeah, that's dumb. So anyway, but besides that, I enjoyed this. Uh, the, the crowd was. You know, pretty hot for this. Becky's over. Natalia is Canadian. 
And whether, you know, maybe Natalia is getting this push and continues to be pushed because Samoa Joe almost murdered Tyson Kidd with that uh, muscle buster. Maybe that's the reason. But I still like Natalia anyway, so I'm, I'm just glad she's getting pushed. Uh, whatever the reason is, I like Natalia in, 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 in certain spots. Um, she definitely is a better... She, they, they've, pushed, they've pushed worse women way more, I will say. Uh, I know we're in a different era now, so... But, I, like I said, the first women's match I ever gave four stars in this company was Natalia versus Charlotte. So, in a way, Natalia is a bit of a standard bearer to me for the what the women's wrestling uh, the women's division is and uh yeah i uh like this uh so uh, pre-show stuff whatever i i almost want to watch the bliss and cross versus iconics match because of apparently how fucking bad it was uh i guess it wasn't that bad it's just it's just regular bad um buddy murphy got killed by rowan for no reason Gulak and Oni Lorcan. That's something I would have actually watched, but I don't think I'm out of time to go back and rewatch it. What I will say is SummerSlam, you know, honestly, I, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, sure, the Shane Owen stuff was whatever with heel ref nonsense. And the, the W title match, excuse me, W title match ended in fucking, it was a bullshit at finish. And there was some, you know, psychology stuff here and there. The thing I ranted most about was the Ember Moon thing, because I think I've heard other people rant about the other stuff. And to me, like, you know, I've always been a big Bailey fan, and like, if you're gonna fucking t make her program hot, heat her programs up, dude. Like, what? Anyway. Oh, boy. So that was the big weekend. Uh, I didn't do the ROH show, but, um, I'm never going to. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, yeah, uh, I'm on Lost in Comedy 89 on Twitter. Benella's off Twitter now. Um, listen to Talking Naruto. Subscribe to the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Talking Naruto. Uh, please. And, uh, <laughs> I guess, uh, we, I do have content coming up for that as well. Uh, I've had some issues going on around the house here, uh, with the fams, and the fire, but I will, uh, try to keep the schedule going back on track everybody and hopefully i will uh, see you later because kevin dunn i hate you <laughs>